Hey there, ladies and gentlemen, this is Mr. P with Mr. P Explorers, and if you are tuning in right now, you are back for yet another episode of Mr. P's Tales from the Road. How are you doing out there? It is a beautiful, beautiful, somehow sunny and warm day in February here in Cleveland, Ohio, and I can't quite figure out what the deal is, but it's like spring here right now. Uh, I, I don't know what it's like in the rest of the Rust Belt, but right here in Cleveland, it's it's it feels like May. Uh, I can't explain it, but I'm going to take it. Uh, I hope wherever you're at, it's been a great week. Uh, I, hopefully there's no blizzards going on wherever you happen to be, uh, but it's, it's, it's great here, and uh, I'm going to take whatever I can get here. Um, it's funny because I was just I was just I was talking to somebody about this. I always start these shows talking about the weather. I don't know why. I don't know if it's a Midwest thing, but every time I get on, it's like like that's the first thing I grab for is hey, the weather's great. Um, I swear it's a Midwest thing. I don't know. We talk about the weather a lot here. Uh, you know, is the weather bad? Is the weather good? You know, how's the weather for you? Uh, it's just what we do. So you know, never mind that. That's just kind of how it comes across. But anyway, I hope you guys are having a good week. Hope things are great. Uh, I'm really pulling for this weekend. It looks like we're gonna have another nice weekend to get out and explore, to get out with a camera and get some stuff done. Um, I, I I had a very awesome weekend last weekend. I was in Philadelphia, PA, the city of brotherly love, last weekend for a quick in and out trip. Uh, my buddy uh, Trespass Tourist and I uh, made a run out there to hit some stuff that uh, became open suddenly, and we were like, "All right, well, now's the time." Uh, sometimes you got to get it while the getting's good. So we uh, we made this long ass trip to get out there to, to hit some some places and come back. We did it all in a weekend, so it was very exciting. I promise you an episode on that. It was a crazy adventure. It's coming on down the line. Um, a lot of great stuff happened last weekend. So. Uh, yeah, we'll tell you about it in another episode. Um, speaking of other episodes, uh, I've been doing a lot of work, a lot of brainstorming lately, a lot of planning, um, just you know, really trying to to dig to create some episodes that are different than just the regular old episode where I just tell you about stuff. Um, you know, I don't I don't want episodes where there's drama. You know, it's not a drama episode where I'm trying to get you know likes for drama that kind of thing. Uh, I really want this podcast to be something worth listening to. Something that has value for you. When you tune in every week, you're like, all right, what's what's going on this week? What's Mr. P got this week? Um, you know, stuff that holds attention, hits on unique points of view. Uh, we hit on history. You know, we dive into some of that stuff. Uh, just different crazy ideas uh, have come to mind as I'm out on the road. Especially this last weekend, I did a lot of thinking. When you've got six and a half hours between Buffalo and Philly, you do a lot of thinking. Um, whenever I'm out on the road, I'm always jotting down ideas. Just things coming to my head, and you know, I've got my phone. I'll just you know talk into my phone and, and record some stuff and, and you know ideas that kind of thing. Um, I don't want every episode of this to be well. The first I did this, and then I did this, and then blah blah blah. That's no fun. That's not a fun thing. I, I want them to be different and unique. And now, not every episode can be, but I want them to be something that's worth tuning in for every week that that you can bite into. Um, so if you're tuning in regularly, uh, you know you're finding hopefully you're finding worth in the subjects and topics I'm rambling on about. Uh, and I'm always, always up for hearing your thoughts or ideas on things you might like to know about or hear about. Um, sometimes that works out best. Sometimes I have listeners contact me and say, hey, what about A, B, and C? And things will spark off in my head and, you know, inspiration comes and I you know, create a story out of that uh, based on something I've done or seen. 
some of my favorite episodes are based off of listener feedback. Um, you know, so never hesitate to toss a thought into my inbox at any time, no matter how weird it may sound, no matter how bizarre it is in your head, send it my way and, you know, we can always see what we can do. Um, I've got some different things heading your way in the next few weeks, in addition to the usual tales and the usual historical discussions on places. Um, so hopefully you guys will dig it all. Uh, I've been working on a couple different things here, uh, as time goes on. It, It can be tough. This time of year for me, you know, you guys know I teach. Uh, there's, there's just so much going on. By the time I get home at night, um, there's not a lot of time to do what I'd like to do. Uh, summertime is always the best for, for podcasting, definitely, uh, especially if you want to get, you know, some really detailed stuff in there. But uh, we, we're managing. So I'm hoping you guys are enjoying it. Uh, if you are, by all means, share it around. If you if you if this has worth to you, share it with some people who might be interested, you know, Um we're trying to get this out there to people and, and get these stories going. And, and if, you, if it's if it's interesting to you, share it with a friend. That'd be great. Um, you know, you guys can find this anywhere where there's podcasts. This is on obviously on Spotify. Most of you guys are on Spotify. Getting that there. It's on Amazon. It's on Apple. Uh, it's on Google. As long as Google's still around, I know they're they're changing their podcast stuff very soon. They're going to get rid of their podcast uh, section. For whatever reason, but any any of the main any of the main podcast areas, you know, you can find this. So just share it. If you like what you hear, share it with a friend. You know, um, do a guy a solid, help a guy out. Um, you know, it's not so much from you know about about the the likes for me. That, it's not about that, but it's it's nice to 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 get it out there, and it's nice to hear more from people. I love hearing from you guys out there, and the more people that are, are writing in and, and, and messaging me, giving me ideas and bouncing things off, I, lo- I love to have communications with you guys, so the more people there are, the more fun it is, so that's kind of the reason, but anyway, um, cool stuff coming soon, uh, some out there stories coming your way very soon. Now, today, uh, we are heading back to one of my favorite places, one of my favorite places to explore, one of my favorite places to do photography, uh, a place that no other, you know, group of, of, of hobbyists would ever dare go. We are going back to the city of Gary, Indiana this week, and I've got a couple stories to tell you guys about some of the stuff that we've seen there, some stuff that's gone on. Uh, Gary is, is one of those towns, I've been there multiple times, and... Every time I go, I am always amazed at just how far this place has fallen off the main line. Um, I've done episodes on Gary before. We've talked about you know how the industry there just collapsed and it moved away. U.S. Steel kind of shit all over the people that live in Gary. Uh, you know, U.S. Steel's still there, but they've moved so much of their stuff overseas or to other states um, that the jobs just went away. And with the jobs going away, all the people went away, and anybody who was left couldn't get out. They couldn't afford to get out, so they're stuck there. And whatever jobs they could scrabble together, you know, aren't enough to maintain what Gary used to be. Gary used to be a beautiful city you know, a century ago when it was first built. Gary, if you guys don't know this, Gary is a is an industry town. U.S. Steel built it from the ground up. Uh, it did not exist before U.S. Steel built their 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 plants, you know, their steel steel plants there. Um, so they built this whole town. You know, it's named after their 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 president or CEO at the time. Um, I want to say his name was Elbert Gary. I think that's his name, Elbert. Good old Elbert. All right, Elbert had this place built, and you know, it was built for the workers that worked there. It just kind of grew from that. Um, so while, as long as U.S. Steel was there, things were great. When U.S. Steel uh, picked up stakes and moved out, uh, everything, you know, the shit hit the fan. 
It's kind of what happened to Gary. Uh, and every time you go there, you, you are reminded of just how far this place has fallen. Um, the grandiosity of the buildings there that are still standing. You're like, holy shit, what happened? This was amazing. Uh, just a beautiful architecture and all of this, and it's just in ruins. Uh, and the people that live there don't even probably even know the history of the place. That's the sad part. Um, it's a very sad town. But uh, for the purposes of exploring and documenting history, it's an amazing place. I like to go there as much as I can. Um, probably going to be going back here in a few weeks. Uh, we're making some plans to do that. So, you know, there'll be more stories coming your way from that. But I got, I got a couple stories to tell you today of some past adventures there. Uh, two locations, really, I want to talk to you guys about today. Uh, one of them, um, you know, is, is a place that I've been to probably three or four times since 2019. Um, you know, since we're going to be telling a few more tales from the extensive book of Gary, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the tragic destruction that has been commencing at, 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 this, at this place, this school. It's an abandoned high school called Emerson High School. Ralph Waldo Emerson High School. Uh, named after, you know, famous poet, famous author. Um, it's one of the first schools I ever stepped foot into in Gary way back on a sweaty, filth-caked day back in July of 2019. Um, near the beginning of this personal quest to experience and document abandonment wherever I could find it. This was the beginning. Um, I had just gotten my, my old Nikon D300, and I was just, you know, I had been to Detroit, and I'm like, let's go one step further, let's go to Gary, and we spent this crazy whirlwind weekend in Gary. Um, we had no clue what we were doing, we had no clue what we were going to expect in Gary, you know, all the things we'd heard, you know, was it was the murder capital of the country, it's not, uh, but we'd heard all kinds of stories, you know, you just step foot in the street and you'll get shot at, that was the kind of stories we were hearing, that's not how it is there quite the opposite unless you you know go looking for trouble uh but we found ourselves climbing in through a window to one of the city's oldest and once grandest public high schools uh and she did not disappoint one damn bit and hasn't since emerson is a beautiful school it still is even in its ruins and there's plenty to talk about in this place um, I'm going to toss you a little bit of history first before we get into, you know, what we saw there and what oddities were there and some of the tragedies that happened inside this creaking old beauty. All right, so some history. Uh, Emerson was actually quite an advanced place for its time. A hundred years ago or so, it was a gem in Gary's public school system, and for years it stayed that way. Uh, there was a superintendent of schools for Gary Schools. His name was William Wirt, W-I-R-T, Mr. Wirt. Uh, and he he used Emerson School as the kind of the test bed for his new... He, he had this crazy, crazy idea called work-study-play. Uh, it was a system of education. It focused on the whole child philosophy. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but you know before the 1920s or so, schooling was kind of intermittent. Uh, depending on where you lived, school was, you know, you could be in a one-room one, uh, one schoolhouse. Um, public schools were just your very basic, you know, you had math, uh, reading, writing, some geography, maybe a little tiny bit of science. That was it. It wasn't. It was just enough to get you prepared to be a worker or something of that nature. This idea that that, that Wirt came up with was all about uh, you know, expanding that and making people into possible college students, that kind of thing. Uh, so it was really innovative and different at the time. What this guy had going on was completely different. Uh, Gary was really one of the places where modern-day education began, like the idea of, of preparing people for something more than just factory work. It was huge. Uh, and this whole philosophy that he had, this whole child philosophy, grew in, in, in international, international attention. 
uh, to Emerson brought that there and eventually it was adopted by a ton of other schools around the country and now it's kind of you know it's kind of a thing uh it was worth showcase of how it should be and uh lots of people took to it um the building itself opened in 1909 and had almost literally everything you could ever want in a school especially back um, you know, as, as the 1920s rolled around, they had added a whole bunch of things. Um, you know, public schools were a relatively newfangled thing at that point. It had a snazzy auditorium, you know, which is we'll talk about later. It had a two-floor gymnasium, uh, again, something we'll talk about. A largish indoor pool. It even had a zoo! A zoo! How in the hell would this even be possible is beyond me. I don't know. I have no, I don't doubt it that it was there, but how, how do you build a zoo in a school? Uh, well, Gary had a shit ton of money to blow due to all the local industrialists shoveling cash at the schools and all the other public works. So, you know, there was, there was nothing that was too good for, for the finest of Gary's children or, or some of them anyway on the certain side of the tracks you lived on. All right. So uh, apparently Emerson had a zoo. I've never found this zoo. I've never found any indications of where it might have been, but apparently there was a small zoo. Now, I'm sure this was not a zoo with elephants and gorillas and stuff like that. It was probably, you know, smaller animals, you know, some pigs, goats, who knows. Uh, but it was a zoo, you know, where, however that would have worked out. Um, I never saw any evidence. But considering the largesse involved in schools in this booming industrial town, um, it fits right in. Um, now, the, the school was designed by a St. Louis, Missouri-based architect named William Itner. It was just, he designed the school. And what's crazy about that is when I explored St. Louis's Grover Cleveland High School in 2022, um, I was like, damn, this looks like schools in Gary. And, you know, after doing some investigation, it makes perfect sense because uh, Itner designed Cleveland, too, uh, in, in St. Louis. I'm like, these stairwells look exactly like the one in Emerson. And, I, you know, I didn't really put two and two together till later. Um, now, Emerson was cram-packed with awesomeness. There were over seven laboratories, you know, for kids to work at. And back then, again, that was something totally new. You know, the laboratories where you had the Bunsen burners and the sinks, you know, all in the, those giant classrooms where kids could gather around and do experiments. That was all new at that time. Uh, it had separate band and orchestra rooms. They had art studios for, for artists. Again, something that wasn't being done until this point. Right? Art was something you did if you had lots of money and had lots of time to blow. Uh, they're giving it to kids to, to, to try. That had never been done. Uh, rooms for industrial and household arts. You know, home ec and industrial. Again, you know, you might get that at home, you might not. Uh, now everybody gets it um, at that time. Uh, had athletic facilities. It really advanced for their time. Uh, as I mentioned, an indoor swimming pool. Um, almost all of Gary's public schools had, you know, at least on the high school, junior high level, had a pool. Uh, had an upstairs running track all along the top of the, the, the gym. Um, and I'm quite positive. Back in the 1920s, I, I, I bet that it had that new school smell rather than the, the effervescent scent of dry rot, that, that smell we all know so well, you know, mouse turds and mildew. I'm, I'm sure uh, it smelled a lot better than it does now. Uh, Emerson is, is not the finest smelling place in these days. Um, now, I mean, that, that was, this, this place was amazing. It was, it was just the gem. It was a, a crown jewel in Gary's public schools. But all was not well in this educational Shangri-La. And what comes next was the start of a growing issue that would eventually engulf all of Gary in the decades to come. Uh, in 1927, 
18 African-American students were transferred from the old Virginia Street School to Emerson due to overcrowding. I don't know if Virginia Street School is even there anymore. I don't think it is, but uh, it was getting too crowded, and uh, Emerson had plenty of room, so they transferred 18 kids from that school over to Emerson, and oh my God, you would have thought it was the end of the world. Uh, Apparently the staff of Emerson, all white, uh, they were none too pleased by this turn of events and uh, decided to throw a royal racist hissy fit. This call, as you'd probably expect, was the beginning of an overblown hoo-ha over race and the decision completely went bonkers. It precipitated um, this strike, the Emerson school strike on September 26th of that year. Um, the teachers, administrators, the staff, um, they weren't the only ones jumping in on, on the whole asshole bandwagon. Um, at the end of the strike, about three-fourths of the students were boycotting. They weren't going to school. Uh, no doubt these, these kids were hearing the vile shit out of their parents' mouths on the subject of anyone not white and Protestant, right? I'm sure, because uh, the 1920s um, was not a good time for race. Uh, funny how we haven't learned very much over 100 years, right? Um, all comes back around, sadly. Uh, anyway, under all the pressure from all the hooting and hollering uh, of the neighborhood, uh, on September 30th, the city council made the decision to segregate the schools again, and they sent those poor 18 kids back where they came from, and uh, they built an all-black high school on the other side of town called Roosevelt High School, which is also now closed up and uh, alarmed and sealed off completely for now. <laughs> uh, Roosevelt's it's closed as well. You can't get into it. It's very well watched. Don't try. Alarm, alarms galore. Don't ask me how I know that. Anyway, naturally, all of this was before the civil rights movement of the 60s. Um, I'm quite sure there are still a whole slobbering mass of gibbering racist troglodytes out there who would love to drag the U.S. back into the Dark Ages and rip down any progress we've made over the last hundred years, but I digress. All right. I don't want to get into politics, but, you know, it's it's kind of a sad thing we still cannot shake for some reason. Uh, over the last decades, uh, things in Gary would slowly begin to go south with all the shenanigans that I mentioned earlier, right? U.S. Steel's leadership, uh, you know, wanted to make more money, and they decided to move lots of the U.S. Steel facilities to other places that were cheaper, where they didn't have to pay workers as much, so jobs were trucked out of town wholesale. And by the 1970s and 1980s, a huge population shift had occurred in Gary. The citizenry of the city became predominantly African-American, and a lot of those white folks uh, hoofed it on out to better pastures. Uh, White flight, leaving uh, a lot of Gary's once proud and teeming schools completely underpopulated. There was nobody going there. Um, And one by one, you know, they, they didn't have the money to keep it going, so the city school district started to consolidate, and they shuttered many of these schools all throughout Gary's city limits. Uh, the same schools we're going exploring in today were shuttered, closed down, uh, sealed up, whatnot. And uh, the district deemed Emerson's career as a full-blown high school to be at an end in 1981. They decided this is not working. It's not. There's not enough people here. Um, we're going to close it down. But uh, at the last minute, it was reconfigured <clears throat> as a <clears throat> public arts school. Um, you know, with performing arts, that kind of thing, acting, band, choir. The arts, that kind of stuff. Uh, And it stayed that way until the curtains finally closed for good in 2008. Uh, Lack of funds, building dilapidation, uh, there was some serious mold issues in the building, and of course 2008 was when the uh, Great Recession kicked off, so that didn't help either. Um, 
After the doors close, the usual entropy and the usual slippage that we see in buildings begins to exert itself over the next 16 years. And, you know, the usual progression begins rolling downhill. You know, windows are broken, and uh, this all kicks off the process of the elements getting their teeth into the wood, and decayable surfaces, and then scrappers get in, you know, stripping pipes and all the electrical stuff. Local kids then come in and smash the living shit out of everything that could possibly be smashed. Uh, the graffiti artists move in and put up pieces, and of course, uh, us, right, the urban explorers, photographers come in, and it's just been going downhill. It's this horrible cycle, and now Emerson is what it is now. It's, it's, it's a shell of what it was. Uh, with some remnants rolling around and, and you know, like, like, like a bean in the bottom of a can. That's what we got. Now, I first climbed through a side window and into the still beautiful and ultimately beguiling old bulk of Emerson on our first trip that summer in 2019. You know, smack dab in the middle of this sweltering, toxic, armpit stankin', swamp assed Midwestern July weather. It was horrible. It was like 95 degrees. You know, it's the kind of weather you get dehydrated in just standing there shuffling your damn feet a bit, right? You're standing there inside of the building and you're getting dehydrated for nothing. Um, now, we had never been to Gary before, never, and we didn't realize just how little the citizenry in the neighborhood could give two tin shits that we were tossing ourselves through a window uh, that had been long removed of all of its glass. Right. Um, back then, that's kind of how we were. We were terrified that anybody and everybody would call the cops. You know, we didn't realize that most of these people don't care. Um, they don't. At least not then. In 2019, they did not. It's a little bit different now for reasons, but people did not care that we were there. Um, we were trying very hard to be stealthy and be as unseen as we could. And like I said, really, the folks who lived across the street had their own business to attend to and could care not a whit for a few white people from out of town illegally entering a long-abandoned school. You know, so long as we didn't attempt to stick our noses into that, into their business, they didn't care. You know, like, we, we'll do our thing, you do our thing, no problem. Uh, so we found ourselves on the main floor that led out to this amazing double-decker gymnasium, one of the first of its kind. Um, you know, nobody ever built a gymnasium where you had a track on top and down below a basketball court. It was kind of a new thing. Um, as far as I can tell, historically, it was one of the first. And though the vibe of the place emanated, you know, quote-unquote century-old, it was still a cool thing to see. You don't see gyms built like this anymore. You know, the basketball court down below was completely ravaged. You know, all this gleaming wood that you'd normally see on a basketball court, you know, these, these wood slat floors, uh, they were rotting through, they were brittle and crispy, and just, you know, didn't even look like you know, the old floors would have. Just ruined. Um... The backboards were completely smashed. You know, the glass was all smashed out. The walls were completely inundated with tags, uh, new and old, um, good and bad. Uh, the upper floor that was looking down on the basketball court appeared to have been a walking track, as far as we can tell. I think that's what it was, pretty sure. Uh, or, or you could have stood there and watched the games down below. You could have stood on the edge and watched, you know, what was going on down below. Um, the wooden floors were just completely dry rotted and Naturally, there was lead-based paint on the walls and on the gym lockers that were on both sides of the walls along the track. You know, if you followed the track, there were gym lockers on both sides where you would have put your stuff uh, while you were playing basketball or whatever you were doing. Uh, and, of course, it made for hell of a shot because all this peeling paint was just amazing. Lead paint's amazing uh, for, for photography. It sucks for your innards and for your health, but it's great for photography. Right? Um... At the far end of the gymnasium, hidden in the corner 
uh, kind of down and shrouded in dim shadows was this really cool iron spiral staircase connecting the upper and lower floors. And that, that also was just kind of festooned with rust. The paint was peeling and there's just rust, dust, and just it, it just it just reeked of texture. It was amazing. Uh, and it was all kind of this bluish, reddish, you know, between the rust and the, and the paint. It was beautiful. Now, we descended down to the basketball court, and, and this is where things got weird on this trip. I... I I, I could not shake the vibe that something was off in this gymnasium. This, this gymnasium we'd walked into, something just felt horrifying. It felt horrible. Uh, and just sitting in the middle of this rotting floor was this one lone institutional desk chair. You know, the kind that you'd find maybe in an elementary school, right? With a kid, little kid would sit on it and it's in front of his desk. It was the only thing on the floor. <laughs> just everything else was just rotting wood. Uh, and at the time, I honestly had no clue what would have me spooked about that chair or about the floor there. But my brain somehow and my intuition was just sloshing around inside my head. It was just getting yanked all over the place. And letting me know something was not on the level. You know, something bad happened here at one point. Um, I, I don't know where it comes from, but sometimes you just get a vibe. And later, when I did some research on the building, I discovered why my energetic sludge detector was going off with all this ferocity. As it turns out, on a sticky and sultry evening, uh, July 7th, 2015, so almost four years before we were there, a crime most terrific happened on the ground floor of that gymnasium. Um, A Chicago teenager, a 17-year-old girl named Conita Richardson, was lured into the abandoned school by, well, still, I don't know, persons unknown. We're not sure exactly. We have some ideas. Uh, And she was strangled to death in the middle of that gym. Didn't know that at the time. <laughs> Neighbors had called into the Gary PD um, with reports of someone going into the school that evening, you know, after the lights out, uh, after lights, you know, the, the street lights came on. Um, but, you know, it's Gary. Those calls come in all the frigging time. And Gary PD has far bigger fish to fry on a daily and nightly basis, especially at night, <laughs> right? They probably didn't take much stock in that call. Like, people are coming and going out of that building like a revolving door all the time. So it's easy to blow off. <clears throat> easy to just say, ah, whatever. You know, we'll, we'll come by and check at some point. Uh, now, the next night, an anonymous phone call comes into the GPD about the body of the poor victim. She was found lying face down on the grimy, crusty, and half-rotten gym floor uh, with just a little bit of body trauma around the neck. Um... But that was it. She, I mean, she was obviously deceased. Uh, police came in uh, to the building and, um, you know, did some digging. They, they were able to figure out who she was. It was discovered that she had left Chicago the night before with her cousin. And that was the last time family members had ever seen her alive. Um, so he is, to, to the best of my knowledge, he is still the, the main uh, suspect in this crime. Um, I don't know. I've never been able to find out if they've ever caught him or if they've questioned him. Uh, that's kind of where the, 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 the news ends. Uh, maybe they did, but I was not able to find anything more on this cousin, this so-called cousin from Chicago. Um, I don't know. I don't know if they've ever nailed him for it or not. Uh, but all the evidence, I mean, it sure points to it. All right, she was with him. He comes back. She's not. He had something to do with it. Uh, sadly and Gary, bodies get dumped in the schools very often. Um, there's other schools we've been in where this has happened, we know about. Um, you know, they're A, wide open, B, not traveled very often, you know, except by people like us who climb into them to explore and document. And, you know, of course, crackheads, 
vandals, scrappers, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, that's usually who's coming in. But it, most people aren't walking into these buildings. You know, maybe some of the local kids run around them. I don't know. But it kind of explains the chills and, the, and just the heavy, heavy vibes I was getting on that floor, that gym. I mean, even, even four years later, almost to the day that we were there. Uh, as far as I know, the killer has never been pinned down. But if anybody listening knows differently, I'd love to hear about it. So let me know. If they caught the dude that did it, I would love to hear it because that would be justice. I mean, you murdered somebody's daughter, and that's horrible. Um, you know, it's a sad thing. Happens a lot in abandoned buildings, sadly. All right. Now, on a more positive note, the rest of the school was a treasure trove of interesting stuff. Uh, the auditorium was still relatively intact. All the seats were still there. There was a velvet curtain. It was kind of way, kind of slightly swaying. There was this breeze coming through the building from all the broken windows. Um, you know, it had nice air. It wasn't it wasn't stifling. It was this nice little auditorium. Uh, it had ornate staircases. Oh my God, the staircases in this building. Uh, the front, what I call the grand stairwell. Um, it actually had a monogram. Like, I, on, the, on, the, on the ceiling, as you're walking down the steps, you see above you, monogrammed into the cement, it says EHS, just kind of embossed in, in this gold bronze color. Oh, it's amazing. Um, there's a massive band and choir room. Uh, the band office table still had stacked sheet music, rubber banded from when the school was still open, and it was all just kind of rotting away, this, this sheet music. It was, it was bizarre. Like, like, they just left it there, and it just sat there for two decades, almost. Um, all covered in mushy ceiling tiles. Uh, the science labs were still there. Uh, they had these giant fume hoods attached where chemical experiments had once gone on they had these crazy little stations that like they like 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 escape pods or something uh, these red escape pod looking things but they were fume hoods for for chemical experiments uh just desks upon desks upon desks uh just hundreds of desks in this building that were left behind um and <laughs> you want to talk about numbers we're talking about thousands of old forgotten textbooks everywhere in all these different rooms uh, many of them were still on the shelves. They've been stacked on, you know, when the place was shut down. Decades, these books have been sitting there. And a lot of them are still in good shape. Um, they all reek like like mildew, but they're, I mean, you could pick one off the shelf and probably be fine reading it. Uh, it's always shocking to me just how much stuff was left behind in Emerson and, and in Gary schools in general. If you go to Detroit, anything, and I mean anything that could have been of any value has long been stripped out. So in Detroit, you've got these completely empty rooms. You've got a few tags, uh, you know, nothing, nothing at all really to see in in, in Detroit schools. You go to Gary, uh, even though they've been torn apart by vandals, there's just lots of stuff. Uh, you know, is there asbestos? Sure, mold. You know, definitely, but lots of stuff. And the teacher in me, my heart breaks every time I think about other school districts out there that would literally kill to have the books and equipment that was ejected into this entropic void when these schools were shuttered forever, just, just left behind, forgotten to rot and rust, uh, stuff that people could have used, uh, you know, shattered modern copy machines, computers, office equipment, furniture, science kits, just on and on and on. This shit was left behind, and people could have used it, and it's just sitting there slowly dissolving <laughs> as that stuff goes. Um, now, perhaps the most amazing ex part of our Explorer of Emerson was uh, this grand stairwell. Three stories up, if you go all the way to the top, you, there is a treasure trove up there of things. Uh, and if you've been to Emerson, you know what I'm talking about. 
If you come up to the top of the school, you stumble upon a doorway that leads to a large, dark, dusty, and smothering hot attic. Right? Inside this, 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 this allergen-rife wooden cave, under the eaves of the roof of this school, were treasures that were caught in time. Think like, you know, it's like Jurassic Park, like trapped in, in Mesozoic mosquitoes, right, in amber, that kind of thing. Um, there were old marching band uniforms from Emerson, these red marching band uniforms, and they were tossed everywhere. None of them were on hangers anymore at that point. Uh, there were music stands with, you know, EHS on them. Uh, old painted set pieces and costumes from plays that were, you know, once going on on the stage several stories below uh, in the auditorium. Very old books that went back to the 1950s, right? The old school textbooks that didn't even have pictures on the front covers. Uh, just slews of old black and white photos that, that, that featured staff and students from you know, long before the closing. Um, naturally, I did liberate a couple of these photos. We digitized them, saved them. Um, I have them here. It's pretty cool. Uh, what must have been principals and, and office staff, they all had these, like, these pinstripe suits, and it looked like the early 50s, maybe. It was kind of cool. Um, and the coup de gras in that attic were the stacks of Cold War survival crackers. They were hermetically sealed in these silvery tins, and you know basically they were dated from slightly before the Kennedy assassination in 1963. Uh, printed on the tins were the words "Civil Defense All Purpose Survival Biscuits," uh, you know, stamped 1963. You know, in case you know there was a nuclear war, you'd have food to eat. All right, yay! We're stuck in the basement of Emerson, and there's a nuclear war going on. We've got biscuits. Uh, naturally, we had to pry one of these open just to see how well they'd kept. Um, you know, we, 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 we busted one open, and as soon as I put one of these things into my mouth, I was like, oh, God, why did I do this? You know, I'm gnashing one of these things between my teeth, and it's just this dry, dusty, cardboardish taste just kind of erupted into my mouth, and it just, it was awful. Um, sealed as they were, uh, you know, these things were edible, but they tasted like absolute ass. Um... I suppose they were never supposed to last half a century or more. Um, you know, if that's what they were meant to taste like. Anyways, you know, you couldn't complain too much if your rear end was stuck in a fallout shelter in the basement of Emerson after a new Kit's Gary. You know, food would be food. You wouldn't be able to complain about how crappy the food was. But it was awful. <laughs> These crackers suck. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping they were better than that when they were first sealed. But man, 50 years later, not tasty at all. Um, maybe you could have spread some survival peanut butter on it if you had any, make it taste better. Um, you know, whatever. Still, it was, it was bizarre to taste crackers that were sealed up 13 years before I was born. It was a crazy experience. Um, not necessarily a pleasurable one for the old taste buds, but, you know, still kind of interesting. Now, the last cool thing to be found in that old attic was something that would echo in my brain and that would break my heart all over again a few years later after seeing it all for the first time. Um, and I'll get to that. I'll get to why. On the walls of that attic were dozens of names carved, written, or painted onto the walls by decades worth of former students going back as far as the 1940s. Okay? First names. Sometimes they had last names. Sometimes they were nicknames, whatever. You know, and it just, just, just what seemed like hundreds of them everywhere. You know, names of people who, in many circumstances, probably shuffled off this mortal coil long ago. Are, or who are old enough to be grandparents or even great-grandparents at this point. Um, people that are, have been gone from the scene for a long time. Um, 
and you know these names that were scratched into the wood you know this might be all the remains of of these people that passed through this place and it was kind of a sad reminder that time waits for no one right uh it's this whole crazy roman concept of memento mori right death awaits for us all eventually and this is a reminder of that these people are gone and and here here's this reminder of them they were here they were here at some point and so were we we added our names to that <laughs> it was kind of cool um, you know, and here we are touching these carvings that were made by people that were, you know, were once kids long before I was ever born, right? Kind of cool. Now, I would return to Emerson a couple times in the next few years and with several different people. Um, you know, one time while we were photographing the stairwells, there was a block party going on down the street. It's one of my favorite memories from Emerson. There's a block party going on right outside across the street and the hosts were cranking up the tunes. Um, they were, they were letting down on some Motown. Uh, you know, some Marvin Gaye, some Supremes, that kind of stuff. So our entire photography session was basically, that was the soundtrack, was old Motown music. Just just good, just great old music. You know, so it was the first and only time I was ever treated to a soundtrack while I was shooting. And it was splendid, right? It was, we, were just, we were just bouncing along, doing our thing, just jamming to the old Motown tunes. Uh, until, until the dude and his girlfriend... Got into this this huge rip ass roaring fight, claws out, right, uh, screaming mouths up and down the street, uh, and the party abruptly screeched to a halt, and everything was shut down, and the music went away. Um, and we were just sitting there listening in awe to this this guy and his wife just going at it back and forth, um, and then they just kind of I, I don't I, it just ended. I don't know what happened, but you know, so the music was great while it lasted. You can take what you can get. Um, it was a cool memory. Um, now, the last time I was there was in 2022, and I did never think about it at the time, as one doesn't, but you never think about the idea that these places aren't going to be as they have been forever. Like, how you see them isn't, they're not going to stay in stasis like that forever. They're not going to be like that forever. Um, and we were reminded that big time last summer. Last July, some asshole kids put that ultra cool old gym that I talked about with the with the with the, the track, to the torch. And this thing went up in flames. All that wood just whoosh, went right up, and it all collapsed in on itself, and it destroyed that gym forever, erased. Um, this happens all the time to places we come to know. happens more often than you would think. Uh, those of you that explore know what I'm talking about. Uh, we have locations that go up in flames all the time. Um, now, that's bad enough, but later on in the year, in December... Mid-December, right before Christmas, an even worse thing happened to that crumbling yet intriguing old school. Some psycho bastards set a fire in that attic where all of that old memorabilia had been kept. And as dry and as dusty and old as it all was up there, the whole shebang went up in this unholy and raging inferno. They had a two-alarm fire just blasted through the top floor. That whole attic and the top classroom floor, like that all was on fire. It just annihilated all of those old signatures, all those carvings. It just it, it burned down into the floor below, um, just destroying almost a century of history in, the, in its path, just gone. Um, the loss of all that history is a true tragedy. You know, it's all just ashes and cinders now. You know, soaked by untold gallons of pumped water. Um, you know, just a reminder, piece by piece, room by room, section by section, Emerson is slowly being erased. You know, arsonists, vandals. Uh, it might have been a homeless person who set the fire for warmth. Could have been. 
Um, and but whoever it was, it just wound up incinerating this large chunk of the school. You know, all that stuff that was there—the band uniforms, the photos, the signatures—all gone, never coming back. And it exists now, just in our memories and in the photos we took there, which you know is kind of heartbreaking. But um, you know, that's where it stands. As I, I don't know, I'm pretty sure they figured out it was. I, I want to say it was arson. Um, but again, these things don't get investigated that closely. They close the book on them quick because who gives a shit? It's it's an old abandoned school. If it burns down, it burns down. Make it easier on Gary. They can just you know knock down what's left of it if it all went. I'm surprised they tried to put it out. To be honest with you. But anyway, um, so that's that's one place I want to tell you guys about that I have a real good connection with, a real big connection with. There's another location. The second location in our story today is across town in downtown Gary. All right. Uh, one of the most overlooked and yet, in my humble opinion, intriguing abandoned haunts along the, the relatively dead main street of Gary, which is Broadway, is that of a long defunct and not so sealed up department store that has seen far, far better days. You're thinking, all right, a department store in the middle of the city? What is this? What is this ma- uh, malarkey? Could it be? Uh, but Mr. P, I thought department stores were only to be found in abandoned malls out in the suburbs or in, you know, dying malls about to be dead where the lights are on, the goods are out, but there's only, you know, one employee around and no customers, right? Um, hell yes, youngins. Things were very different in the retail world uh, back in the day. Uh, there was an era before malls, and in that time, most cities had department stores right along the street in the middle of town. You could mosey on in, pick up whatever you needed on any of their three or four levels, and be about your business. Uh, and it was all within walking distance of your house or maybe a quick you know, bus, bus, bus ride, uh, trolley ride, whatever, whatever your town had. Uh, Gary's department store was once a very swanky affair as most of them were in olden times, when everything seemed to be done with some modicum of class and sophistication. It seemed like everything was classy back then. Uh, even though it's now far from that, this, this multi-floored wonder, uh, you know, now, um, still has much to see. Like you walk into this place, there's still some cool things to see that, that show you what things were like back then. Um, even if its floors are almost beyond janky, uh, you know, rust coats every single metal surface and the mold has completely colonized almost every peeling paint ridden wall in the house. There's, there's, there's just this charming thing about this, this old department store. So let me tell you a little bit about this department store. All right. A little history on this place. Uh, the original name of this department store was H Gordon and Sons department store, um, Four stories, uh, downtown Gary. The building was originally constructed for the benevolent and protective order of Elks to serve as a lodge. Um, I'm not sure what the Elks do. Um, I know they're a social club for old dudes. Uh, maybe there's young dudes. I don't know anybody of my generation that, that would ever say, hey, I'm an Elk. Uh, so if you're an Elk and you're listening, I would love to know what you guys do. Or I don't know if you do service. or What is it that Elks do? I'd love to hear from you guys. You know, Let me know. Anyway, in 1923, uh, the architecture firm of George Maher and Son were commissioned to design this new temple for the order. Um, They had outgrown their original Elking location, wherever that was. Um, The Elking had to to commence, so they they built a bigger building. Uh, It was designed in something called the Prairie School style, which is basically a flat... Uh, you know, the outsides are uh, this brick facade, flat features, rows of windows, um, you know, kind of restrained use of ornamentation, kind of plain, simplistic. Um, yet you still have this 20th century Midwest charm to it. Just kind of basic, you know, you know, Midwest town look. 
the first floor contained some commercial storefronts, and the upper floor had the lodge rooms, offices, bars, banquet halls, right? So we had merriment and dancing and beverages and elkhood for all in this new building. Uh, and the guy responsible for the building, uh, George Maher, he was a prominent and influential architect who designed all kinds of other buildings, uh, including six buildings in Gary. Uh, the Gary Bathing Beach Bathhouse, wherever that was, I'm assuming out on the coast, uh, Lake Michigan, um, the Marquette Park Pavilion, and a building that I also have seen and love very much, an abandoned building in, in Gary, a place called Gary Heat Light and Water Company. Um, this place is amazing. We'll talk about that in another episode. That's a whole other story. Uh, we'll save that for another time. But it's, it's a crazy, amazing spot. Um, anyway, uh, this guy was a genius, an architectural genius. And a builder of fine buildings, but sadly, uh, his genius kind of took him down. He he was depressed. He was, you know, even though he had a success, things just weren't going well. And the poor guy took his own life in 1926. So um, after a couple of years of declining health and depression, he was like, I, I can't do this anymore. Uh, so luckily, we still have a few of his, his masterpieces to dive into with our cameras. Um, even if they are slightly less fresh as they were in his day, Right. Um, now, our pals, the Elks, the Benevolent and Protective Order of Elks, apparently needed even more room for their revelry, and they moved out of the building in 1934, so they must have been bringing in the dudes, I don't know, they needed more room. So shortly thereafter, this place was remodeled, um, you know, for the whole main event here. The H. Gordon and Sons Department Store moved in, in July 14th of 1939, um, they announced that they would be closing their store in nearby Whiting, which I believe is a town near to Gary. I've never been there, but it's next door. And they moved it into this new building in downtown Gary. And at the time, it was only $75,000 to renovate this whole place, which today is probably millions. Um, but they added, they added a whole new floor. They, added four, they had four total floors now, new departments throughout the store. They really turned this into a classy department store. And at that point, things were booming in Gary, so the place got a lot of foot traffic from the then-crowded sidewalks. People were always walking on Broadway, you know, hundreds of people going about their business. So this place was the place to go for whatever, you know, for several decades. If you needed something, odds are you got it at H. Gordon Sons. Um, you know, that was where you went. Whatever it was you needed, they had it. All these different departments. And I believe they had a basement, you know, as well. So maybe that was where, you know, tools and stuff were. I don't know. But, as we all know, the years leading up to 1970s would kick off the destruction of Gary as a municipal powerhouse. You know, U.S. Steel, as we know, closed a shit ton of its operations in 1975. They've been faltering ever since. Uh, thousands of jobs have been lost over the next 50 years in Gary. All the way up to modern day, I want to say it was last year or 2022, they, they laid off a bunch of other people from U.S. Steel there. And moved them all overseas to make better bank at the expense of the men and women who worked there and who drew their pay from U.S. Steel's coffers. All right, game over. We know how that story goes. Um, you know, so, you know, no jobs meant people moving off to greener pastures uh, with their families to find jobs, got to find a new place to live, uh, to maintain the level of lifestyle they were used to, they had to leave. And that place completely excluded Gary. You know, and, and it was a domino effect. You know, factory, other factories that, that supplied parts and pieces for the steel mills, those closed. Anything related to U.S. Steel, it just like dominoes falling, just all collapsed. Neighborhoods emptied out, houses and businesses were abandoned, and things continued on into the disaster you see today. 
you know, you cruise through Gary today and you see it. It's it's a wasteland. All right. Now, in 1971, September of 1971, the Lake County Welfare Department um, signed a lease to relocate um, from the county courthouse into the old H. Gordon and Sons Department Store building, at least to use one of the floors. Uh, they were closing down floor at a time as the store got smaller. Um, the space was cheap and the city government had no money, so uh, it, it was an easy fix. They, they moved their stuff into these cheap digs and, um, you know, uh, right around 1973, uh, H. Gordon and Sons went, went belly up. They closed, you know, declining sales. Um, downtown was becoming a, a, an empty wasteland and there was, you know, there was nobody coming in to buy stuff. So by January of 73, um, most of their stuff was closed. The food stamp offices moved into the main floor and, and the basement building was where the county welfare department was. And, um, you know, 1990s, the welfare department was there. So uh, they were all there. <laughs> they had all of their, their like county, uh, county stuff there. Um, it just all shut down. And uh, by 1993... Uh, they, they was, there was planning to do a $6 million renovation, um, but they decided to build elsewhere and just kept getting delayed and uh, you know, financial issues, uh, things just didn't happen. Um, they moved out uh, into a new location in 1995. All of it got moved out in 1995, and that was the end of the building as an occupied and active site in Gary. Um, it, it was actually added to the National Register of Historic Places in 94. Um, and, but it's been abandoned ever since. There's been no, no curation, no maintenance, nothing. Um, absolutely and completely the opposite. <laughs> so there was really no one left in Gary to really attempt it. There was nobody there to care, and there was nobody there to do anything about it. Uh, and as a result, since it's vacancy, as you can guess, the building's once beautiful and stylish interior, all that wooden framework, um, it's all beyond repair. You know, large portions of the floor have collapsed or about to. Uh, heavy water damage throughout the whole building. Um, just water everywhere. And the floors have collapsed. Um, and as I mentioned, the mold was intense. Every upper floor was iffy, and that's being very, very, very generous. <laughs> okay? Um, we'll get into some of the details here in a second. Uh, now, still, as a kid who grew up in a time where there was only ever vast air-conditioned malls to roam around, all right, you go to the mall, buy whatever you needed. Uh, it was amazing to look at a time before modern mass consumption and berserker off-the-rails consumerism took, took hold, right? I'm a child of the 70s and 80s. That was the era of the mall. This was different. This was before that. It was, it was interesting to see what, a, what an actual department store looked like on its own. Um, so I was fortunate enough to have been able to, to kind of meander through this old H. Gordon Sons department store. Um, the same, the same weekend we were there to see Emerson, we made our way into this old store. Um, and unfortunately I had no clue what the hell I was doing with the camera and hadn't even heard of raw files yet. So everything I was shooting was JPEG city, baby, JPEG city. Um, you know, I guess that's not a bad thing if that's what you're wanting to do, but I had no clue what a raw file even was to edit. All right. Uh, it was our first trip to Gary. Uh, everything was new and, and, and kind of, you know, just off the wall. Again, it was very, very hot, but we find our way into this old wreck from the back alley. Uh, someone had ripped the boards off of what must have been the, the double door back entrance at one point where you would have come in um, off the street. 
and as soon as we entered that hole, that potent, beautiful bando aroma just smashes into our face like a log truck running downhill with the brakes cut. Just boom, right? And you you knew uh, that this place had mold in it. Like just inst- it, was, it was overpowering. Um, we knew we were going to have to tread very carefully in here. It was very dark. Uh, the first floor had gaping holes leading straight down into the dark unknown the basement below you you couldn't see these holes these giant holes so we were very we'd be very careful where we walked um but all that aside uh in the middle of all this wreckage was a thing of true beauty directly in front of the doors stood this single old-fashioned escalator frozen in place whenever the electricity had last been shut off decades before this old old escalator uh, every single piece of metal on this old mechanical wonder was completely rusted. This thing was orange. And the wooden steps, it actually had wooden steps. Not metal slats, but wooden steps. Uh, the steps on the escalator were wooden. Uh, they, were, they, they were attached still. They were worn down. And of course, in a lot of cases, they were rotting. The rubber handrails were still in place, even if they were coated in decades of dust. Uh, the floor on the approach to the escalator was in some serious disrepair, so we really... And you, you could see the holes from where other people had walked. You could see where, where feet had gone down to the floor. You know, some other unlucky explorer had, had, had gone through, at least, at least their foot had gone through, some unknown time ago. Um, I'm told now, though, I, I haven't been back since then to this place, but I'm told now that the escalator in front, the front, right in front, is completely fallen. Like, you can't get onto the escalator anymore. Um, we used to be able to climb the escalator. Can't do that anymore. Um, the rest of that first floor was dark. We were able to light up the escalator and, and, and attempt to, to get some shots of that. Uh, you know, the, the, the bottom floor was completely ripped to shreds and wet and just black mold everywhere. There wasn't much to, to see in that bottom floor. But we were able to go up the escalator. You know, we were you know, kind of avoiding the widening holes in the floor. And that, there was this razor-thin pathway between death and not death. So we ascended up the dead and silent escalator to the second floor. And that's where we were able to see everything there was to see. The light coming through the second floor windows lit up everything. And uh, it, was, it was like walking into a time capsule. Okay, All you could see was this expanse of sagging, warped wooden floors. Some patches of this floor were still covered in rotting old carpeting. Uh, you know, the carpeting that would have been there when this place was open as a store. Um, there were echoes of, of, of those years everywhere to be heard. The peeling paint was this institutional pinkish color. I guarantee you it was lead-based paint. Um, probably the women's department. That first floor, was, the second floor was probably women's department. It was all pink. Everything was pink. Um, the elevators were off to the side were these older models. All right, these were not modern-day you know, modern elevators with digital you know, displays and all that. These were old, you know, century-old elevators. You know, they were skinnier than modern elevators. It was weird. You, you, you see elevators, and they're big enough for two people to walk in and out of at once. This elevator it was like big enough for one person to step into. Um, the doors were much smaller. And above the doors was this old uh, arrow, an arm, that would point to the floor that the elevator was on. It had the numbers of the floors, and the arrow would move back and forth. For all I know, they probably had a guy with, with a lever that was, you know, was, was, was the elevator operator back in those days. I don't know. No digital at all, all analog. Uh, there were steel ashtrays 
That's how you know we're way back in the day. Steel ashtrays just situated at the side of the elevator. So, you know, that's something you would never see in any shopping establishment. I remember when they still had those in, in uh, you know, the malls. People don't do that anymore. Uh, so, you know, on the second floor, we really had to move slowly and we had to test every single inch of floor. That's how bad they were. We moved very slowly. The columns in the middle of the building still held these mirrors on all sides. So they had these columns in the middle of the building holding up the structure and mirrors had been put. So, you know, so you're, you're trying on some stuff. You're looking at things. Uh, you could look in the mirror, see how, see how you're looking. Um, those were still there. They were filthy, you know, cracked and hazy, but you could still see yourself in them. Um, I got a couple shots of me shooting directly at those mirrors somewhere. I don't remember where I put them, but all right. Uh, the carpet itself was probably a nice shade uh, color at one point, but in 2019 at least, it was this green. It was it was moldy green. It was completely sodden with water. It was wet, um, colonized by moss and mold. The carpet may as well have just been moss. It was just it was completely green with that. Um, so the second floor, you know, we were able to see a little bit of, you know, the, the shelving was still up in some places. It was, it was very warped and, and, and rotting. Um, you know, we, at least we got a good look of what it would have looked like back in the day. Now the third and fourth floor, much harder to really document as we would have liked. Uh, the escalator only took you to the second floor. That was it. It did not go up to the third and fourth floor. Uh, you could take the elevator to do that, obviously, and that wasn't happening because, you know, no electricity. But there was an open st uh, stairway that went up the side that you could take to the third and fourth floor. Um, that was in pretty decent shape. Um, still had the asbestos floor tiles in place on it, as it would have a long time ago. Uh, but the problem was the two top floors were completely uncrossable. The rot, the water damage, the collapse was all way too horrific for us to even attempt to cross over to get a look at. Uh, we didn't get to see whatever else was up there. It was, just, it was too... We weren't going to take the chance of falling through the floor. It was that bad. Uh, we had to settle for what we could see from the stair landing, which wasn't a whole hell of a lot. You know, we couldn't see... You know, because there was stuff up there. We couldn't get to it to look behind it. So we were kind of stuck. Um, now, by that point, uh, the mildew was starting to creep its way into our nostrils. And we decided it was best to clamber on down out of there to ground level and, and get the hell out. Uh, the relatively fresher air outside of downtown Gary actually sounded better than what was inside the building. Um, so we left it behind, and I haven't been back since. I would love to go back and, and maybe reshoot it with, with my knowledge now of, you know, of shooting in the dark and knowing what to do. Um, I don't even remember if I had my tripod on that trip. I can't remember. But uh, it, was, it was quite interesting to see this old, abandoned, decaying department store from so long ago. You don't see very many of those left. Most of them have been torn down or renovated or just erased from the landscape. So pretty cool place. Um, I would love to go back and get that escalator one more time. Now, um, those are the two places I really wanted to tell you guys about today. Uh, there was a quick little side, a little side story I'm going to tell you as we close out here. Um, and it has to do with food, all right? Cuisine, all right? Uh, if you're in a place like Gary... Um, Eating isn't always easy. You know, usually we bring snacks and drinks on our own. You stop at a gas station, you know, outside of Gary, and you bring it with you because there's really no place to eat. Uh, everything is closed. Even the fast food restaurants in Gary are closed. Um, you know, but I'm going to tell you guys a story about a crew of explorers who were famished one day while in Gary and who had forgotten to pack those snacks um, in one of the Rust Belt's least likely places to find fast food. Uh, and never mind anything more upscale. 
Okay, even gas station food was iffy in the heart of the beast. Okay, you know who I'm talking about. It was us. <laughs> okay, uh, we were desperate. We were hungry. We've been out all day. We were very thirsty. We were. We didn't want to get dehydrated. Um, we did not want to drive 20 minutes back out of town to eat. So we decided to take a chance on one of Gary's culinary establishments, if we could find one. Uh, and at first, it was impossible. We're driving down Broadway, driving south out of town, looking for some place to eat. Um, everything was boarded up, closed up. All it was is a couple bars here and there, a couple uh, you know dance clubs, if you know what I'm saying, and uh, nothing. And finally, as we're about to give up hope, we spot this place on the side of the road with a big yellow sign that have the words Shark's Seafood emblazoned upon it. And that's the only thing we can see. And there's nobody there. The parking lot's empty. Um, it's open. The lights are on. It says open on it. Uh, you know, there was nothing around that wasn't, you know, sketchy as hell or boarded up. So we did a rough turn into the, into the crumbling cement parking lot and pulled up in front of this restaurant. You know, it had signs up all over the windows promising all these different seafood meals. You know, French fries and hush puppies and all kinds of other mouth-watering sounding food choices. You know, and we're thinking, all right, how bad could it possibly be? I know we're in Gary, so I mean, I guess it could be bad. But but how how badly could one screw up fried fish and French fries, right? I mean, even in Detroit, there are there are thousands of these fish and chip places, right? Fish and chicken places, right? That have decent food. So, I mean, Gary's got to have something good. So we're going to take a chance. We took a chance on sharks. Uh, we were too hungry to care. We didn't, we just kind of sauntered in and to our surprise, we find ourselves inside a clean and well-lit lobby area. And there's this long, clean counter seats at the back. It's very well taken care of. We're like, are we in Gary? <laughs> and there's a guy, this dude at the counter nods at us. He's got this friendly smile. So we're like, all right, we'll give it a shot. Um, after a minute of scanning the rather daunting and extensive menu, there was lots of stuff you could get. Uh, we all ordered a ton of seafood and naan, uh, in the hopes of refueling ourselves for the last day's mission. We had one more, one more place to hit as the sun was starting to go down. Um, I myself landed the ocean perch basket with fries and God damn, was that the best fish I've ever tasted? Um, it's not that mushy shit you eat in a, in a, in a filet sandwich at McD's, right? It was delicious. Oh my god, I've not had fish that tasty. I mean, it was golden brown. It was real fish. Um, I don't know where they got the fish from, but it tasted fresh. It tasted. It tasted like my uncle who had caught fish in a boat somewhere, you know, five miles out in Lake Erie, had brought it back and beer battered it. That's what it tasted like. It was amazing. Uh, just golden brown fries right out of the fryer. You know, bam! Uh, I got a, a side of hush puppies. Um, just, you know, bona fide seafood glory was upon me. And uh, I just, oh, I haven't had a good seafood meal like that before or after. It's been a long time. So we sat there and ate and just stuffed our faces full of fish and, and, and fries and hush puppies. And by the time we were done, you had to roll us out. You had to roll us out to the car. We had stuffed ourselves with more food than we could possibly handle. And we're coming out with boxes, too, of whatever was left. Um, so this is this was an experience. We we did not know what to expect in Gary, so we all learned a little lesson upon the reality of inner city fish places. All right, never you know outside looks and sad stereotypes are just that. Uh, it's what's cooking on the inside that's the treasure behind what it looks like. Don't let what the place looks like trick you into thinking it's not good. Um, the appearances here definitely uh, were not jiving with what was on the inside. Uh, if you ever make that mistake. You know, you might miss out on the most badass fish you'll ever eat. 
Not to mention meeting the owners and the workers there, who were some of the nicest guys we've ever chatted with at a stop. Uh, these dudes were like happy to see us, and they were chatting us up about things and asking what we were doing. And um, they were just they were just cool guys. So uh, you know, Sharks is now and forever will be on the list of go to eat ats. And when I go to Gary, anytime I ever go there now, we're going to go to Sharks because those guys were awesome. So if you're ever out exploring in Gary, uh, I give it the old two thumbs up. Head over to Sharks down down Broadway. Uh, just type in you know Sharks and you'll find it. Uh, awesome place. Um, you know, culinary delights await you. All right. So a little, a little a little foodie a little foodie story there on the way out. So those are my stories from Gary. Of course, there are far more to go into at another date, but I am already over over the time here. I, I, time flies when you're having fun. Um, but I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Uh, we'll be back next week with some other cool stuff. I, I got a little bit of a different episode for next week. I'm gonna leave it a surprise, kind of a little bit different, a little a little a little woo woo. All right, it's kind of different, but I'm hoping you guys will enjoy it. I'll leave it a surprise for then. Uh, meanwhile, have a great weekend. Have an awesome explore out there if you're heading out to explore. Be safe as always. Keep the questions coming. Keep the uh, you know keep the photography happen out there, guys and gals. The stuff I'm seeing from you guys is amazing. I love seeing what you do. Um, if you like what you see here and you like you, you love the stories, you know again share uh, you know share it on Facebook, share it on wherever you know Instagram, wherever, uh, and uh, this guy will be happy uh, and most appreciative. All right, so. On that note, I'll give you guys a fun to do. Have a great weekend, and I will see you guys in the next one. This is Mr. P signing out.